Welcome to the Tim Fowler Show, where production is paramount and we discuss the tools, time, and people associated with getting jobs done and making a profit. On today's episode of the Tim Fowler Show, we will be talking about costly mistakes and renovation with the help of special guest Michael Upshaw of ProBuilt Design Build in Bolton, Ontario. Alongside Tim Fowler, I'm your co-host Steve Wheeler. Here is the Tim Fowler Show. Hey everyone out there in podcast land, Tim Fowler here and welcome to the Tim Fowler Show. So today we're talking about mistakes. All right, not technical mistakes like forgetting to shim a heavy door, but the mistakes that cost us in a lot of other ways. So our guest was recommended to us from an avid listener, a fellow named Joseph out in British Columbia, who actually heard him speak at a conference. So a word to the wise, anyone who goes and hears a great speaker somewhere, let me know because I'd love to have him on the show. I know you're tired of hearing me say that. So his topic at the conference was avoiding costly mistakes in renovations. And so for those of you who are not familiar with our good friends in Canada, they usually call it renovation instead of remodeling. So they have other terminology too, but we'll just leave it at that. So we're going to be covering a pretty wide variety of topics today. Uh, we've broken the discussion into two segments. The first segment uh, will be basically three mistakes from a business sort of look at it, and then three mistakes that come directly with production. And then at the very end, we're going to talk about how to build a house in nine days. So stay tuned for that. Let's get started, Steve. All right. So Michael Upshaw of ProBuilt Design Build is a master carpenter at heart who naturally progressed into a renovator and builder and is renowned in the construction industry. His career spans over 38 years, and his collection of awards and recognitions are impressive. He was the first time First two-time award winner of the BILD Renovator of the Year, 2002 and 2006. Michael is on the Advisory Council for Canadian Contractor Magazine and an ongoing contributor and past speaker for the Building Renovation Technician Program at George Brown College. Michael was chosen six years to design-build the home at Toronto's National Home Shows. Welcome to the show, Michael. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. This is really great. So we love having our neighbors to the north on. We uh, we learn different terminology and we learn different techniques. And uh, I'm really excited to find out how I can build my new house in nine days. So I'm uh, looking forward to that. All right. So I mentioned that we're going to have a couple of segments here. And uh, I think the listeners all know that we communicate ahead of time. And so I'm just going to go ahead and introduce these things. So we've discussed like like the three that are kind of business mistakes. I'm just going to introduce the first one and then tell us tell us what you're thinking. So the, what we have here is not detailed enough specifications. Give us some information about that. Well, that's been a huge problem um, over my career um, that, you know, projects as they're being designed, they're not given the right specifications. And when I say specifications, I don't mean like drawing specifications. I mean 
like the finishes, the, uh, you know, the make model numbers, where things are going, you know, the, the finer details are always missing. And, um, you know, a very detailed spec package to go along uh, with, with your uh, project is, is, and the drawings is very, very important. So have you got some idea about like, what are some of the things that tend to get forgotten the most from your experience in your business as well as working with other contractors? Well, the, the specs on probably most of the finishes, to be honest with you, even if it's okay. just a square footage cost, a number in, and, you know, obviously we're design build, so, you know, we pretty much know what we're doing there. But if it's competitive bidding, um, you know, those specs are even way more important and uh, in, in that business model. And that's probably more where I'm talking to towards is more those folks um, because the packages, I mean, the drawings that they hand out and they pass around in that business model, they're missing the specs usually or a detailed set of specs so that right. when, when, uh, when their clients are getting, you know, numbers back, they're all over the place because they're not detailed enough or they're not there at all. So it's extremely important. I believe that, um, you know, those types of specifications are hand in hand with the drawings. Then you're going to get, you know, when you get your numbers back and you'll be able to go through them and to be able to compare apples to apples. Okay. But in the design build model, do you have kind of an idea of what you would say? I, I remember years ago, probably when we first met, yeah. there were several people that were on the circuit that would say, everything has to be specified. And then someone would say, well, what about paint colors? Because I don't need them for six months on a big project. Do you have any notion like with these specs, like, what may be okay to wait on or do you are you pretty much well, well, hard we, and fast nothing we don't wait on anything well if we waited to get numbers in we would go crazy yeah uh, you know the project would never start to be honest right it's, yeah. it just takes forever to choose all the finishes so you try to choose as much as you can you know before signing a contract but you know you'd never get that contract signed if you don't you know if you don't get them uh, uh in shape but um, um, uh, it, it seems that people are starting to catch on to that now. Yeah. But, um, you know, over the years, um, you know, we never had them. So I was you know, <laughs> submitting my bids yeah. and I wasn't getting any work. Right. It's like, why? And okay. And it's like, okay, you know, everybody else, are they doing that? No, it turned out <laughs> no. that they weren't. And, and anyways, it was just, it's just a nightmare. Okay. Sorry, let's hit number. Didn't answer let's the hit, question very well there. <laughs> let's hit number two here. Sure. So the second one you'd give me was not designing projects towards the client's budget. So this is more of that design build model and kind of looking at the client's budget. So talk, tell us a little bit about that. I'm sure we can dig well, into this one. Yeah. It's a huge problem in the industry. Actually, I see people that are in for building permits, you know, that, that can't afford to do it and they don't even know that yet and right. that's more on the competitive bidding side you know right. because they're 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 sending the drawings out for tender usually at the same time as they're going in for building permits so so when they get the building permits you know if the drawings are all marked up and everything and all of a sudden they shop those around and you know those right. numbers are coming back whoo way yeah. way high 
And, uh, you know, they can't even afford to build a dumbed down version of it. <laughs> so it's, it's super important that you design towards a budget. And, you know, it, it's hard for folks to really understand how the whole process works. They think that, uh, you know, you got to go find this. Well, it actually starts with design right. and the preliminary design process. And then on top of that, preliminary budgeting. So can you can you give us an idea like in your design build model, how do you because this is a, a challenge. I, I visit a lot of companies and this is a challenge for a lot of companies, even design build. Can you give us an idea of how you structure your process so that you try to hit a budget that actually reflects what the client can pay? Well, first of all, it all starts in the beginning to find out if they have the budget. Right. You know, and that's extremely important. You got to get that budget or at least a number that they're comfortable spending. Right. Um, and, and the reason, and, and, you know, to get that out of some clients, it's really, really difficult. Sometimes I have my ways, but I have to to tell them, you know, uh, we're design build and we're going to design towards that budget. So maybe it might be a good idea to give us a number that's going to be realistic. You know, people think that we're going to, we're there to spend all our money, you know, right. and, you know, maybe some unscrupulous uh, remodelers or renovators would do that. But, um, you know, you need to be able to have something to go by uh, to be able to tell that client, you know what, uh, your number is out to lunch, you know, you need to really budget <laughs> or, or whatever. Right. But, uh, but, but we find that it's, it, it's really important to get that. And, um, not only just designing towards a budget, um, it, it's about getting every all your ducks lined up early on and, and marrying that with a budget. It's, it's not easy, it, it's, it's a challenge. And that's why preliminary design is extremely important because you can, you can design it to a, like a skeleton without all the bells and whistles, no engineering. And then, you know, you can send it out to a couple of your sub trays to give you a big juicy number and, you know, you can come up. I've, I've, I've set up a spreadsheet program right. where I've got highs and lows and I've okay. developed over the years and it works very, very well. And so for this limited information of preliminary designs that we come up with, I also produce a ballpark and I say to the clients, okay, are you okay with this? And if they say, well, you know, that's pretty, pretty north of our budget, um, <laughs> then we have to sit back and talk. But it, this is where you want to make the changes. You don't right. want to be making these changes later on, um, you know, when you're in for building permits um, and stuff like that, because the drawings that you've submitted are no good. Now you have to start over. <laughs> so so I, I, one of the questions that continually comes up with my clients is, um, okay, you've got a budget you've narrowed it down to what the client says they really want to buy. And then you're in contract, but then they start looking at more product and fancier product and yep. all that kind of thing. How do, might do you, as well as factors, what I call that. <laughs> we might as well add that in. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's a nice, that's a good term. The might as well factor. So how, do you have any, any tips on controlling that a little bit? Because they, they just start spending, spending yeah, money. I mean, well, we give them budgets for um, 
if, if they haven't chosen a finish yet that fits yeah. their budget and if they're out shopping, you know, we'll give them that. And that's the other thing. You got to make sure that your numbers are realistic for these budgets too. You right. don't send them out shopping and they don't, and they're not large enough or whatever. Right. Um, but um, um, when they go shopping, you, you'd give them a square footage number or something if they haven't chosen something yet. And you have to tell them this is, this is actually, we tell our clients that this is actually a place where they can save money right. uh, on their finishes. And we put realistic, if not a little bit more than what we feel their budget tastes are. So we really dig into who these clients are, what their tastes are, and, 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 and do it accordingly from there. Okay, cool. Number three. Companies not in their right business model. You've mentioned already the competitive competitive bidding situation and design build. So, yeah, this this is a really interesting one because, you know, I've inside my business. I've really tried to step outside of my shoes and put myself in in the client or the customer's mm-hmm. shoes, and it's it, it's a real challenge to try and figure out. Especially, I don't know so much about down in the States, but up here, it's an unregulated industry. So we got a lot of cowboys in here, a lot of Chuck and his trucks, you know, that we come up against. And it's like, it's a, there's a big myriad of different size companies and some are design build, some are competitive bidding and people just don't know where to start. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it, it's always been a challenge uh, to, to figure out, you know, from a client's perspective, how to start and where to start. But the bottom line, I feel, is that everything starts with design, whether you're in competitive bidding or not, or in uh, design build. It's just that when you're working with design build, you're working with the client, the designer, you're working together as a team. And usually there's more uh, processes involved in that type of a business model, Uh, more linked um, uh, processes rather. All the other companies have the same processes. It's just structured a little bit differently. But okay. the client doesn't know that. People don't know that. They yeah. don't know where to start. You know, do right. I need a renovator or a modeler? Do I need an architect? Do I need a designer? They just don't know. But yeah. I think I think for the most part, I think the whole industry has a thought of competitive bidding as being the business model. And the issue with that is, is there are a lot of clients out there that would be more better served in a design build model. Yeah. And where, and the other thing that we found is that people that are shopping in the competitive bid world uh, are usually very price sensitive. Right. So, you know, we were providing a high level of uh, um, um, not only design, but along with our um supervising and and uh, service for our clients that uh, you know we weren't able to compete in the the competitive bidding market because they weren't really comparing apples to apples to all the companies and yeah if they don't know they don't know so it's a challenge it really is all right so let's switch over to the production side which of course is what i'm most interested in so um Let's just talk about the incomplete or insufficient handoff from sales to production. It is still amazing to me uh, how many companies are just kind of willy nilly. Yeah, dumping the job and getting started. So, where do you see the problems, the most of these problems? Well, we make sure that we have a tight package and they get signed off. And quite frankly, 
you know, remodelers had a lot to do with helping us out with that way back in the day. I just kind of modified it to fit our business systems. Right. And um, yeah, the sales to production, you really have to dot your I's and cross your T's when you're handing that off. For us, we give what we call our working site supervisors. Uh, I guess you call them lead carpenters down there. They're yep. basically, you know, master carpenters with supervisory skills. Yep. And uh, um, and then we train carpenters underneath that. We have apprentices and stuff like that. So we're really yep. carpentry based. And I'm a master carpenter myself. So, you know, we like to keep all that in house. And, then, yep. you know, unless it's like if we get a custom home or something like that, I'll, I'll sub that out to a framing crew that, uh, you know, could do it a lot faster than we could. Right. But uh, I don't know if I answered your question. So, there, do, but, you, uh, so but, do you actually have your site super sign off on receiving the package? Oh, yes. And, okay. oh, yes. Most yeah. definitely. And the package that we give them is very comprehensive. They know a lot. Actually, yeah. I tell them that binder, I don't want to see that out. We'll make sure you keep that. In <laughs> yeah. Well, because we give them all the info and yeah. we do job costing every two weeks. Yep. And, you know, when you're working with percentage of, of account, uh, account, a percentage of completion accounting, you know, it's along those lines that we, we try to keep, um, you know, to keep the information fresh and is, so that we can make decisions on whether or not, you know, the project is, uh, you know, coming on time and on budget, you have to keep, uh, you know, tabs on that. Yeah. So that leads us right into that, that second one. And this is a topic that's, that's dear to my heart. I've started calling this not paying attention where, <laughs> you know, contractors, because they don't pay attention to job costs. So tell us a little bit about how you guys work with production, your site supers on job costing and tracking costs and figuring the, out where you are. For us, for that, uh, Tim, is that not only do we make them responsible, but we also schedule bi-weekly or tri-weekly uh, meetings especially on okay. the larger projects where there's a lot of moving parts. Right. And we start right at the top of the budget and work our way down, you know, and it's not about, it's not about pointing fingers. It's right. about finding out if there's slippage, if not, if there is, what is it, whose fault is it? And not, not so much about fault. It's more about finding the issue. Right. And, you know, uh, and then plugging that hole and then moving on. So if you didn't do your job costing till halfway through the project or till near the end of the project, you know, you don't know where the heck you are in that, in that job. Um, so we found that, uh, you know, having these meetings with our site supers going through every line item and, you know, he's also has the list of, uh, he has the budget. He has, uh, he, he's responsible for all the change orders, pretty much running that whole project. Right. Uh, other than the communication from our um, from our production side in, in house at the uh, at the office. So who actually conducts these meetings with the site supers? Is it yourself or do you have like a production it, it's manager? Myself now. Okay. Before we, we actually scaled our business back um, a few years back though, when we had a production manager, he would have done that. Okay. I, I'm taking care of that now. Um, because my son's actually coming into the business. So I'm actually oh, wow. back on the tools a bit too. <laughs> like, oh, oh, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. It's, 
It's different as you get a little older, isn't it? It sure is. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about uh, scheduling and getting site supers to really care about the timelines and the scheduling. What are you What are you doing to help with that? Well, we've got other projects to go to, Tim. Okay, you know, and um, and I also know that this is one of the places where other contractors fail and fall down. You know, they got their eye on that next job and all these little niddly things that are left to finish on the project are still there. <clears throat> so yeah. they're not, they're taking off early and not finishing the job. And, you know, which I could never really understand because a lot, <clears throat> you know, are you going to recommend a company that doesn't come back near, at the end of your project and finish all right. the little things? It's like, no, but that's, <clears throat> that that's where, you know, the, the punch list system kicks in. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, we actually sell it that way too, because, you know, how are we going to finish your project? And well, right. Mr. And Mrs. Jones, let me show you how we're going to do that. And, okay. and then I take them right through, um, through that, um, and making sure, and, and we also give our clients, we engage them. They have their own binders along okay. with, uh, all the information that they need as far as their, um, finishes go and uh they also get a copy of the timeline and the scheduling so they're yeah. allowed to follow it along and then we also give them amend- amendments if, if we ever are ahead or behind or whatever so how do you uh, a lot of contractors find site superintendents project managers lead carpenters are more interested in the craft than in the scheduling and so how do you how do you get your team to care about the schedule? I hire or... people that do. <laughs> okay. Honestly, no, you're absolutely right. You need that part. That's a huge part. I mean, that's the communication from the field to the office. Okay. You know, we have a project coordinator here. So I, I always like to say to our clients that, you know, your site supervisor is your right hand and, you know, our project coordinator in the office is your left. And between them two, the communication is a thing of beauty and, and always communicating and updating the client, uh, you know, on everything that's happening with the project. Are you using any kind of software for scheduling that you would recommend other uh, people? Well, we use uh, UDA. Okay. Um, we've, we were early adopters of that way back when. Yeah. And, um, you know, the big challenge for that for me was a CRM system to tie in with it because yeah, um, it wasn't, it's not robust enough for all this social media stuff we got going now. It's like, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know about you, but I've had a hard time trying to get my head wrapped <laughs> around all this social media stuff. And you know what, if you don't have a, a really great website and you're not on top of all this social media, you don't exist. You're not even yeah. there. And I've been in business, you know, almost 40 years and it's like, Nobody can find me or whatever if I don't, but if I didn't do this stuff, but yeah, anyway, sorry, that's uh, that's for a different time, I'm sure. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, but I, I understand your pain and, uh, you know, I'm Literally, just great. Well, I'm gr- grateful I work for a company that lets other people do that for me. <laughs> yeah, well, now, even if you're a small company, you almost have to have like that small department in your company. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It's like, wow, yeah. that's a whole new thing for us. I guess the millennials coming up will be able to grab onto that stuff pretty easy. All right. Okay. So let's talk about building a house in nine days, man. I, I, I gave everybody the teaser out there. So, okay. Let me give you a little bit of history here. Okay. Um, 
it's it's the dream home at the national home show the, oh, okay in, in, in toronto canada here and it's the largest home and garden show in north america and the dream home is the shiny star people line up for days and hours it's a 10-day show and um there is no room for like failure is just not an option it's just okay because, because i have the media waiting in the morning for the doors to open to this home so you can well imagine if it's not yeah. finished you know yeah it's gonna be said in the papers so wow there's a lot of uh <clears throat> there's a lot of making sure that this gets done um it's a lot of planning tim but okay frankly, um probably a year's worth of planning a lot of uh panelization a lot of prefabbing okay uh, and then major scheduling right and it is a real challenge because you know you can well imagine it's a real house i got to get building permits uh, i got to get building inspections and um you know it has to be ready for the public to view and we have you know hundreds of uh, you know tens of thousands of people going through this home right so again failure is not an option so where do you where do you panelize is it is it in the show area or do you have well, to panelize off-site and bring it in Some, i could sub that out to a panelization company usually okay um one of the homes we did was also a post and beam and uh, CLTs. So we did uh, some cross laminated timbers and right. you know, glue lamb beams and stuff, uh, which is all prefab. Right. But um, you know, but for all intents and purposes, it's a real house, fully interior decorated, right. fully landscaped, and yes, in nine days. So at some point, I probably got you know seventy, ninety people right off of one another, which is normal for renovators. Or renovators. <laughs> That's why I can do it because I'm used to that. I think a builder would go crazy, you know, would pull his hair out doing it. Um, and uh, another part of that too is I have ADD over the top, and you know, chaos <laughs> is my home. Hence, uh, you know, I find it's like it's like directing things, and and my my brain actually can keep up with that stuff. And I pretty much live at the show for the nine days there. Uh, jump wow. on the tools, go come out of retirement for a while. And uh, yeah, no, it's, but it's, I, but I think, I think you made a really good point in that planning ahead, the oh, panelization, detailed scheduling. Well, well that the, the detailed scheduling is also like, so once the framing is complete, um, you know, I have to get hard on the exterior finishes because I got to start landscaping. Landscaping is a big one. Wow. So, so I'm actually hammering the outside finishes. Uh, uh, okay, let, let me step back a bit. There's no foundation. There's no right. insulation or vapor barrier. Minor electrical, zero plumbing. We just, you know, take out the, okay. unless we want to showcase something. Just take them out of the box and push them up against the wall. Right. Um, the other thing is, I mean, but everything else, bro, it's a real house. Yep, yep. And we also have to tear it down in time, too. All right, so the challenge goes out. Who can do it in eight days? <laughs> if you can do it in eight days, you can be on the podcast. <laughs> hey, Michael, this has been fantastic. I really appreciate you coming on, sharing some of that wisdom. I think we've, we've known each other for a long time. We're probably close to the same age, but yeah, uh, 
Yeah. We've learned a lot over the years, and I really appreciate you helping us out. Hey, it's my pleasure, and thank you so much, Tim. It was great. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. Thanks a lot. All right, Tim. Great episode. Nine day house. A number <laughs> of great, uh, you know, avoiding business mistakes and in production. What was what stood out for you? So I think just that um, here are some of the things that people have been dealing with for years and years and years. And here's a fellow who's been in business for a while, has done pretty well, and has come away understanding that it's not just a quick fix. It's something that you work at, Mm -hmm. you find the solutions, and then you put various uh, processes or processes, as they say, north of the border, uh, into place to try to overcome those things. So I think that's the, the big thing. I'm not sure that there was like a one big takeaway at this point, but just being reminded of some simple, uh, basic things. I'm impressed with people that are able to say this is difficult. You know, this yeah. is difficult. And what I think that instills is the fact that you need to continually pay attention to the details. What we laid out today you know, they're great concepts when executed. Um, they're all, you know, things that some people do here and there. But what it isn't is you snap your fingers and this is done and, and things are good. You have to be focused and understand that this is a process and it's difficult. And I enjoyed Michael laying that out because it's true. Yeah, think, it's a big deal. I think he said 40 years. I think I heard in there he's been in business for yeah. 40 years. And probably 40 years ago, he never would have known the things that he knows now. So just a word to everybody, just keep, keep pushing, keep yeah. pushing, yeah. learn, and yep. it'll fall into place at some point. And, and learn is the operative word to improve yep. always. So, all right. And well, then, we'll, then go out there and build a house in eight days. <laughs> eight days. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, once again, we would like to thank Michael Upshaw for joining us today. And we always want to thank you for listening to another episode of the Tim Fowler Show. And remember, at the Tim Fowler Show, we're working hard to eliminate it is what it is from your vocabulary. This has been another episode of The Tim Fowler Show. Want to hire Tim and fast-track your growth? Visit remodelersadvantage.com consulting to learn more. And if you'd like more information about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program, please send me an email at steve at remodelersadvantage.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.